Amen. Okay, so Mark uh, started preaching last week on a message called Living Stones. So if you would turn your Bibles to 1 Peter, we're actually going to go through a couple scriptures that he went through last week in 1 Peter 2. Um, last week, Mark preached, and he had some bricks up here, and some of them were different colors. Some of them were a little beat up. Poor Eric. He said Eric was the one that had some edges missing, and Joy was the real pretty one. Um, but he had them stacked up. And at the beginning, he's, there was one. But the guys, different guys, started to bring them up. And his point was, we're all built, being built on Christ. But together, it's together where God can really shine and God can really be glorified in our togetherness. So we're going to jump in First Peter, verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So in verse 4, they talk about Jesus being a stone. This speaks of invincible. He has strength, everlasting duration, protection, security, stability. Think of a big, solid rock. That's a foundation. And that's what they're talking about here in verse 4. He's the living stone. He's the living stone in verse 6. We'll come to it in a second. It talks about him being the cornerstone, having eternal life within himself. Precious, a most honorable choice, worthy person in himself. The living stone. So that word living in both of those verses, 4 and 5, is zao. means to live, breathe, be among the living not dead. Yay, because you're a living stone. Yay. To enjoy real life, to have true life and be worthy of the name. Why are we worthy of that name? Because of Jesus, right? To be active, blessed, endless in the kingdom of God. I love that. Endless. We know he's endless, right? And eternal. But we are endless in the kingdom of God when we join up with him. Living water, having vital power in itself and exerting the same upon the soul. It's a metaphor about full, having full vigor, physical strength, good health, effort, enthusiasm, to be fresh, strong, efficient, active, powerful, successful in producing a desired or intended result, effective. That is what that living stones means. That's a lot, right? But they're all action, power-packed, Words. It says that he is the living stone. And then in verse 5, it says, you also are living stones. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm just Kara. Are you sure? Like, endless power, enthusiasm, energy, good health, strong, efficient, active, powerful. Because of him, because when we join up and connect with him, that's what we get. We become joint heirs. We are living stones. This reminds me of what Paul speaks in, in Romans 8, that we are joined with him, adopted, connected, being joint heirs. I love those scriptures. If you haven't read Romans 8, Mark and I are theme, theme chapters. Most of the time is Romans 8 and Romans 12. Super awesome. All right, let's continue in verse 6. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. So Christ is the foundation. We are the superstructure, if you will. He's the foundation. We are what's built 
on top of that. Verse 7. Therefore to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected had become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were appointed. So here Peter is talking to the Jews. They had all sorts of glorious tabernacles and all sorts of buildings and all sorts of people. And here Peter's like, you know, we don't have this glorious temple like you. We don't have all this priesthood. We don't have all these years of all of this stuff. But what we do have is better because we are the living temple. We are made up of living parts instead of material. So see the shift where it was about a building. God's glory could only be in one place. And he's like, no, this is better. We are all living stones. We all carry the presence of God. And we, we've talked about this before. We just are like, yeah, that's all we've known. These people have never heard this before. This is all new to them, right? They only knew glory in one place. What are you talking about? But Peter's beginning to break it down. So in verse 9, here we go. I'm going to get fired up. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of who? Of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I love this scripture. So why are we supposed to proclaim his praises? Because we are chosen. We're a chosen generation. Right? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Look around. Holy nation, chosen, royal priesthood. I love that. Because you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light, that's why. That's why you proclaim his praises. You once didn't have mercy, now you do. You were once in darkness, now you're not. You're in his marvelous light. I think often we don't proclaim his praises because... Who knows why? All these excuses. We're busy. We know God. We're, you know, we're embarrassed. We're whatever. This is why. Because he's worthy. And because God called us out of things. Right? We should be proclaiming that. I love that scripture. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. All right. So we're going to read the scripture again. You're going to repeat after me. And we're going to insert and make it personal. Okay? But I am a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that I may proclaim the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Isn't that like medicine? I find it amazing every day. Every day, as a Christian, I ponder, how does God, how does he want us? How does he want, how does, he wants me to be a joint heir with him? Because he's so amazing. And so big. And every time I think I know him, he reveals something else. And I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you're so awesome. 
and you want me to join you? Okay. It just, it's mind-boggling. Every day. And I'm kind of like that. I'm a repetitive kind of person. When I lived in Durango, every day I'd be like, the mountains are so beautiful. And my friends would be like, they were there yesterday. But that's how God is. Like, he is amazing. He wants us to join up with him. All right, let's go to another awesome scripture. Ephesians 2, verse 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fit together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So we are no longer strangers and foreigners, right? Right. This makes me think of people who love God and don't do anything about it. And I think our culture, right, it's just, yeah, I'm a Christian. I thought everyone was a Christian growing up. But they they weren't a Christian like I know the word to be a Christian. My kids even came home from school when they first started here in Erie, and I'm sure they recognize it there, but the shift of a different school. They'd hear everyone, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, because they were asking, are you a Christian? Where do you go to church? Are you a Christian? And the kids were like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then they'd see them kind of live life for a little while, and they'd come home and go, Mom, they're not Christians like we're Christians. And I'm like, you'll find that a lot. Like, people say they're a Christian, but we know biblically what it means to act and be a Christian, right? There's a different, we are to be in this world, but not of this world, right? We're to look different. We should look different. But it makes me think of those people that say they love God, but they're not doing anything. They're not, they're not having any fruit. Their lives, they make the same decisions as the world. When the rubber hits the road, they're like, they go with this way. Instead of going, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God said. I'm going to stick with him. It doesn't seem right. It might be harder, but I'm going to stick with God. It's like they're foreigners in their own country. Saying you're a Christian and not doing what the word says and embracing all that God has for you, it makes you like a foreigner in your own country, right? You're not doing what your country, what your law, what your Lord, what that government and that love would say. You're picking something else that's foreign, right? They're in the kingdom, but they are not doing anything to build the kingdom or to proclaim the praises of the king. I'm honored to be a daughter of the king. I'm honored to be called by his name. I'm a harper, and I love being a harper, but I'm a child of the king. And when anybody messes with me, they're messing with my daddy because he loves me and he picked me. But how can we go around and be Christians and know this loving king and not proclaim his praises? Has he ever done you wrong? Has God ever done you wrong? At the time, you probably thought he was, right? I've had those moments where I'm like, you do not know what you're doing. (laughs) Or this is really painful, God. You know, come on. And you think for that moment, he forgot you. Or he left you. Or he rejected you. But after it's all over and you look back, you see, no, he was right there. So that God, how can we not proclaim the praises of the king. You guys, our lives are not about us. It's about the king and the kingdom. It's about his work, his name, his glory, his authority, his power. 
That is our job, to proclaim the praises of the King. And I'm going to challenge us tonight because there are times we are not proclaiming that, me included. We're proclaiming sickness. We're proclaiming depression. We're complaining about this. Or we're so busy, we're not proclaiming anything. We're barely eating and sleeping. Carve out time. Proclaim his name. What goes in comes out. I tell the kids that all the time. What goes in goes out. What you put inside, your movies, your video games, your music, your conversations, it's going to come out. If you're filled up with the Lord, you have the overflow to give. If you are not filled up with the Lord, you're giving them of yourself. Right? I, I do it. I'm guilty too. I do it. I give and I'm like, that wasn't very good. You know, you meet with somebody for coffee and you think you're going to encourage them and you leave and you're like, that was so not encouraging. Or maybe you ended up complaining instead of encouraging or whatever because you don't have anything. So you're just giving of yourself, which sometimes that's good. I'm not saying, like, we we are good people, but that doesn't benefit anybody. Let's be honest, right? But when we fill ourselves with the Lord, people get the overflow. And as Christians, not just leaders or pastors, Christians, that is what we're supposed to be doing, is giving of the overflow, right? Proclaiming the praises of him. So we are fellow citizens, saints, members of the household of God. We are founded in him. He is the chief cornerstone. We are growing in the presence of the Lord. In him, we are being fitted and built together. So I love that last line of Ephesians 2.22. In whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You are also being built together. Together. Like what Mark talked about last week. Together. For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So if we are the living stones, it's not a building, right? We know the presence of God is here, but it's not here because it's a building or because it's church. The presence of God is here because we are here, and he lives and dwells within us, right? So together we create that place of dwelling for the, for the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? So why are we being built together? Exactly that, to be a dwelling, pa- dwelling place. And as we go out and as we do our lives, that dwelling place, it's still there, right? We still have the Holy Spirit with us. We are carriers of the presence and the glory of God. The first time I heard that, tears started running down my face. It's like you know it, but I hadn't heard it. We are carriers of the presence of God. Doesn't that just take it up a notch? We are carriers. We carry, we bring, we hold, we give, we minister, we share the presence of God. And guys, there's no task list. I read the Bible. I did this. I sang a song. I think we sometimes think if I don't spend 30 minutes or if I don't spend two hours, if I don't get on the piano or if I don't do these things, then it's like it's like we don't have the presence anymore. Isn't that dumb? He's the king. We're his children. We carry his presence. So get rid of your checklists. Take it away. Be his child. Spend time with him. Think about him. Love on him. Know him. Does it take reading your word? Yes. Does it take worshiping? Yes. 
Does it take sharpening each other? Yes. But is that necessary? No. Why? Because it's Him. We can't fabricate it. It's Him, right? When I think of the body of Christ, I see this. I see strength, beauty, diversity, and God using us in amazing ways when we come together. I think I tell you guys every week, I love church. I love when we come together. I just get all like, I get all excited because this is beautiful. And then we have each other to go out there and to rely on each other and be together. We are the body, right? Peter portrays the church as a living spiritual temple, as we just read, with Christ as a foundation and the cornerstone, and each of us, each believer, as a stone. Paul portrays the church as a body, as Christ as the head and each believer as a member. And that's in Ephesians 4. I think we all know that, but it talks about the whole body being joined and knit tightly together, right? Where he is the head and we are the body. What I love the end of that scripture, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Together. So both of these examples emphasize community and doing it together, right? Nobody's a lone ranger, right? And I love that churches today are growing in the fact that it's not about a man or a pastor or the leadership team or whatever. It's about the body. It's about all of us. I'm just doing my part. You're doing your part. My part isn't better. Your part isn't better. Our parts are all necessary. The pinky finger, the pinky toe. I love when Mark always says, well, if if you don't think it matters, come here and I'll cut it off. You'll see how much it matters. Every little part. But it takes everybody, right? One stone is not a temple or even a wall. One body part is not a body. And it's pretty useless without the other ones, right? In In our individualistic society, it's easy to forget that we need that interdependence on each other, on other Christians. We need each other. And trust me, there are weeks where I go by and I'm like, I need somebody, and I start thinking, who can I call? We need each other. We need each other emotionally. We need each other to sharpen each other and encourage each other. How many times are you down and out and somebody calls and you're like, oh, thank God. I can keep doing this. That was good. Thank you. Right? We all need that. When God calls you to a task, remember that he is also calling others to work with you. I think sometimes we think, I'm not going to do anything because I don't want to do it alone, or I'm not very skilled, or I'm not very charismatic, or I'm not organized, or I'm not musical, or whatever. But when he calls you to something, he's calling other people to do it with you. Right? Whether they do the ins and outs of it, or they're praying for you, or however that works out, God doesn't call you to anything alone. Right? God called Mia to the prisons. She's not alone. We all pray for her. We all intercede for her. She's got women and people there that are pouring into her and joining her so that she can do what she's called to do. Right? And I know she feels alone sometimes, but she's not because God calls us together, right? Together, your individual efforts will be multiplied. I love that. Multiplication is good, right? Look for those people and join with them to build together. Look, look for people with similar hearts. As you get to talking to each other and you do dinner together and you get to know each other and you're like, oh my gosh, I love that too. Start a group. Start something. Start praying on that. Do something. A lot of us have similar hearts because we have that passion. That's God. Do it together. We fully believe in team. Fully. Fully, fully, fully believe in team. When God called Mark to pastor this church, he didn't call Mark. He called Mark and Kara. Mark and Kara and Acacia, Jordan, and Cadence. 
And sometimes Stella, our little puppy, gets in the mix too. He called us all, right? And he calls us as a body to do it together. All right, 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work of the Lord that he gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But if it, it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God made the seeds grow. The one who plants is the one, and the one who waters work together for the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers. I love these scriptures. There's those that plant. There's those that water. But who gives the increase? We can't save anyone. Right? We can't save anyone. We can't heal anyone. That's him. But what we can do is water and plant and be obedient and minister and be effective. Why? Because we love him. If we're connected to him, that is easy, you guys. E-E-Z. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Easy. If you're connected to God, it's not hard to water. It actually happens pretty naturally and organically, and you're like, God is using me all over the place. And he's like, it's because you're with me. You know my heart. Mark, when we first met, would minister to people on our date night, and it would infuriate me. There was one time we went somewhere, and there was this girl crying. And I'm like, oh, he's going to stop. He's going to stop. I'm all dressed up. It's our date. He's going to stop. Sure enough, he stopped. And I'm fuming because I'm a brat sometimes. (laughs) And he ministers to her. And the love of God poured out on her. And she wiped her tears and said, thank you. And I'm like, I'm sorry, babe. Sorry, Lord. Because when you're connected to the Lord, you don't care about date night. you got to bring the love of God. And not that we didn't have an awesome date night, but we get so wrapped up in compartmentalizing God and just how it's going to work out that we miss those opportunities. But when you're connected and you're full of him, it just comes out of you and you leave and you're like, Oh my goodness, that was God. I didn't know that person. I didn't know what he was doing. And he just uses you. Trinity, he'll use you at your school. Get full of God. Before you know it, you'll be telling someone on the playground, hey, did you know about God? You'll be praying. I pray for people at my soccer games. And they all just look at me very weird. But I'm like, Jesus is here, right? Let's pray for these people. Let's make an impact. Mike, will you come on up? So Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. I find that so interesting. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other part grow. So you can break that down just within our church. Something I'm doing can help you. Something you're doing can help someone else. Instead of, oh, well, this is this ministry, and this is this thing, and that is that church. When we're working for the kingdom, it's not about this thing or that thing or this church or that denomination. It's the body of Christ. And we are tightly knit together. And we benefit each other because we're working together for the same king, the same God, right? So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't that important? We've all seen churches that are not healthy, they're not growing, and they're not full of love. Right? 
they might be missing the one thing that they need the most. And I think we can recognize times in our life where we weren't healthy, where we weren't growing, and we weren't full of love. And we get all discombobulated. What's wrong? Hello? Get connected. Grab hold. Church, we got to get this. We are chosen, special, called. We are heirs, joint heirs. Living stones. So what are we doing with this? God is calling this church to new places, new depths, new things, new growth. It's going to take all of us. We are all needed. Four weeks ago, Tyron was here. And he preached on why is it important to invite people to church? And I thought, what is, for such a power-packed man who travels the world, he had such a simple message for us. He could have preached anything. And God told him to preach that message of inviting people to church. Why is that important? Because if we don't tell them, how will they know? Right? If we don't tell them, how will they know? And he said, go and tell. Go and tell. What you have, give it away. Go and tell. That was his message. And it was powerful. It was simple. I didn't expect it, but it was powerful, and I've been chewing on that. Three weeks ago, the week after that, we set in seven more deacons. Whew, which I still get excited about. Servant ministers to help carry the load, to do the work of the ministry, to be effective, to minister, to love on people. To better reach the people with the love of Jesus. Last week, Mark encouraged us to get to work, plug in, and help carry the load. To offer up spiritual sacrifices of our own lives, comforts, and desires. All to follow him. Why? Because there are people who need the Father. We bump into them every day. There are people who don't know him. Think of the void. I've walked with the Lord my whole life, and there were seasons I turned my back and I walked away, but I knew he was there. I've never not known the love of God. There are people we see every day that don't know that love. So tonight, I feel like the Lord is reminding us of who he is and who we are in him. Why? Because it's time. He's spoken new things and he said it's time. We can't sit stagnant. We can't wait for Josh to do it or wait for Eric to do it. We all have to do it. John, at high school, share the gospel, man. Be effective. That's right. It's for the king and a kingdom. And did you notice how we all look different? We did that personality with Steve and Terry. We all think different. We all act different. We're all quirky in our own little ways. Why? Because that's what God wants to use. Because we're different. And when we come together, that's where the magic happens. Because then God's like, oh, look at my body. My bride. Isn't she pretty? Isn't she doing what she's supposed to be doing? Loving me. Loving the king. He is the king, worthy and holy. We are his, and we carry his name. I think we need to remember that. We're not carrying our own name, Kara, or Harper, or Amam, or whatever. We are carrying the name of Jesus. 
the name of Jesus. So 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy temple, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. That's in the message. Lord, let this be us. We are chosen by God, chosen for a high calling, for a priestly work. You, you're called for a priestly work. Every one of them, every one of you, me included. A priestly work, a high calling. Why do we take that so lightly? Why do we not do anything? So what is he asking you to do? What does he put on your heart? What is he speaking Maybe he's kicking you in the pants. Maybe he's reminding you of something he spoke years ago. If you're waiting for a green light from us, go. If we haven't communicated that, I apologize. Do it. Get her done. You don't need our approval. If you've got God's approval and he's told you to do something, by golly, do it. And if you need help, we will help equip you. We will teach you. We will train you. We will partner you up with somebody. We will intercede for you. We are the body. And he's put something on your heart. He's put something down deep in your heart. You might think it's small or you might be overwhelmed and think, oh my gosh, it's huge. But he wants us to step out. Now's the time, now is the season. Mark has been saying it. He's like, he feels it brewing. And you know, Mark, he's so stinking excitable that he is like, I can feel it. It's rising and it's getting bigger and he's brewing because he just, he's like, it's time. It's time. And not that we haven't been doing stuff, but it's time for everybody to put all hands on deck and to plug in. Like last week, that whole 80-20 thing, that wasn't even in his notes. When he said, you know, the comment about 20% of the church does 80% of the work. And he's like, that's not biblical. And it's not. God, that's not, that's nowhere. There's nothing even like that. We're all supposed to do what God's called us to do. And guys, it's not about Impact Rock. It's not about you growing this church. It's about growing the kingdom. God told us before we ever started, take care of my people and I will grow your church. Take care of my people. You don't have to worry about church growth. I got that. He does a good job. I'm not worried about it. But we got to get out there and grow the kingdom. Share the love of Jesus. So we are asking you to seek God. To see what you're supposed to do. And maybe you're already doing it. But maybe there's a little piece. Maybe there's a friend you're supposed to be ministering to. Maybe there's a Bible study. Maybe you're supposed to start a running group. Maybe you're supposed to get in the word more. What is it he's called you to do? Because there's fruit and there are things that he wants to make happen. But if we're sleepy or we're busy or we're disobedient, didn't it say that we all suffer because we work together, we benefit each other, right? We come together. So I'd like us all to stand. I'm just going to pray over us tonight. 
There are people that need these seeds to be planted. There are people that need to be watered. Think of those seasons where you were dry and somebody watered you and you're like, oh. God, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you that you speak to us. Your word says that we hear your voice. So, Father God, I just pray, speak to us tonight. What is it that you want, mighty King? We will be obedient. We will do whatever it is that you call us to do, God. Whether it be big or small, comfortable or uncomfortable. If it's you, God, we will do it. Because we are lovers of Jesus. Lovers of your presence. Lovers of your name. Lovers of your word. I come against any fear right now in the name of Jesus that would try to hinder anybody from stepping out and doing what they're called to do. Lord, I just pray that we would be bold, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is salvation to those who know you. God, give us boldness. Lord, I know that some you are calling some of us to do mighty things that seem very scary. But Lord, I pray that you would just give us the tools, give us the peace, Lord, and we will trust you one step at a time. Lord, there are people in our lives that need to be watered. Let us be that watering can, God. Let us be the vessel that you use to shower them with your love. God, to plant seeds where there is hardness in hearts and fallow ground. Lord, use us to till the ground in these lives, Lord God, to bring life, to bring salvation. God, we are asking for salvations, Lord, in our families, in our friends, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. In this city, in Erie, in the surrounding areas, God. Bring your increase, God. Lord, I pray that you would make it clear and abundant to each one of us what you are asking. And that our hearts would be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. All for your glory, God. Yes, Lord, I will do it. I will trust you. We trust you, God. You are faithful and mighty.